Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy, here with my first cup of coffee. Oh, okay. That was, that's like the best. That first sip of coffee, first sip of wine, you know, where you feel it, like, go into your system. I swear you can feel it hit your bloodstream. I really love that song of Ed Sheeran's too, Bloodstream. Was it called much Bloodstream? I can feel it burning. I don't sing it well. In my bloodstream, something like that. So we're almost at the end of the earrings. Um, today's, oh, you know, I'm like, who am I? What is art? Uh, today's Tuesday, August 10th. Who am I? What is art? Um, I love this earring. Another one that I used to have two of, and now I have only one. But it's a, uh, for those of you not on video, it's a bat. It's, it's a circle with, um, sort of in a hammered brass. There's a stamp on the back. But who knows what it says? I think it's the designer. I could potentially get, I should get out my magnifying glass. I could potentially get another one. Anyway, a circle of hammered brass with a cutout of a bat spread winged. See, give it the right background so you can see it. There we go. And then there's a moon that's got a crescent cut out of it. I bought these at a bat convention of all things, um, in Lincoln, Nebraska many moons ago, ha <laughs> uh, back when I was a grad student doing research on bats. Bat convention was very fun. Um, yeah, so I got those. I used to have all kinds of bat stuff uh, because I worked on bats and so people would give me bat things. These were one of the few bat things I bought for myself. On the other ear, I don't think I did these because I was hoping to find the other one, but this is an ear cuff called ear vines and it's going to be really hard to explain but they're cool because it's thin gold wires that wrap around the ear um, and I'm spacing on the word I use it in writing sometimes because it's a cool word you know the outer ear uh, the seashell I can't think of what it's called how funny and then it has um, a little spray that comes down these are very short and finished with a couple of gold balls and it just rests against the ear. These are incredibly comfortable. I did have two of them. I've had these for probably 20 years, 15, 20 years. And, um, I had two of them up until this spring and I took them with me when we went on our trip to Las Vegas and I found the second one. I may yet find it. I was kind of holding out to see if I found it because they tend to get wrapped up in the other jewelry. It's just really sticky. It's um, the spray of wires. It just like gloms itself onto just about anything in just, you know, relatively near distance. And then I added on the, uh, the little bluebird stud so I wouldn't have an empty hole. You guys saw the bluebirds before, but you know, I was thinking about, I am going to see my granddaughter tomorrow night 
and I was going to take her some of these little earrings that I was saying I think are too small for me. And I was thinking, should I take her the bluebirds? Because I don't want to risk her losing them. And uh, then I put this on and I really like how it looks. So I think I'm not giving up my bluebirds yet. So there. Ah. So yesterday, um, Stuart Baker, who I know through Sephwa, who will not be listening to this, um, asked me if I had a transcript of yesterday's podcast. And um, because he doesn't do well with audio. And I know, I know that this is a problem. Like, so I should have. Does the YouTube come up with closed captions? I sometimes I think maybe it does. I should look at that. So I know that I should have a transcript of the podcast because I really don't intend to be um, discriminatory, exclusive. Uh, and I know a lot of people don't like listening and watching. But for those of you who are newish to the podcast, uh, you missed my excursion into transcriptions last summer. It wasn't terribly expensive, so I could do that. And there are some good ones I could run it through. And even the IDing of the things I say, while sometimes dramatically wrong, especially if I'm referring to books and authors as one does. Um, <laughs> the problem is, is that I don't speak in coherent writing terms. I have lots of ums. I interrupt myself. I go off on tangents. You guys are aware of this. And the problem is, is I was incapable of leaving well enough alone. If I could do the transcribing and leave it either riddled full of errors or with only minor corrections, then that would be fine and I would do it. However, <laughs> uh, it doesn't work that way because I find myself having to compulsively edit it. I want to make it, you guys, I'm a writer. I, I want to make it read right you know, if not well, at least correctly. And it would take me like an hour, an hour to edit a 20 minute podcast. Um, I could try it again. Maybe the technology's gotten better. Maybe I could walk away with more. I know I did add closed captioning to something because that I could live with. I don't know, maybe because it, it's just when it goes to that, see, I interrupt myself. It's when it goes to that, um, written form that I, I just hate having it out there. I'm sorry. So, so that's the thing, you know, and for me, the podcast is secondary. The, the writing books has to be the primary thing that I do and the, this is something that serves, serves the writing books. It's a way for me to reach out to all of you. And I do it partly because as I say, we have low production values here at first cup of coffee. Um, I do not put a lot of, uh, finishing effort into it. And that's partly how I can do it four days a week. 
Oh, I'm sucking down this coffee today. So, where are we at with things? I talked yesterday about my rethinking my sustainable level of creative productivity productive creativity. I always forget which one I say it is. I think it's supposed to be productive creativity TM. Again, if I were more of a marketer or uh, was, oh, I was laughing about it that I saw someone a while back calling themselves a podcast personality. If I were a podcast personality, <laughs> which I feel like I'm, I'm not, I feel like I'm a podcast lack of personality or uh, probably my personality comes through, but it's, um, it's not a polished brand people. Um, oh no, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, if I were doing all of those things, then I would, you know, like trademark these terms and I would be much more polished and I would be pushing it a lot more. But you know, this is my thing is I think that when you run into authors or editors or agents or other publishing industry personnel who are making themselves into a very obvious brand where they are offering super polished services that are expensive, um, you know, where they have, you know, where they have all the stuff, all the stuff like the, the self-help books and the, the conference stuff and the, um, workshops and the, the audio tapes, you know, listen to 10 tapes and learn how to write a novel. You know, when there is, yeah, <laughs> they don't have mosquitoes dive bombing them in their podcast because they edit that shit out, right? We don't edit here at first cup of coffee. In fact, we barely know how to use the pause button <laughs> here at first cup of coffee. Um, and I'm not saying that people who, who go to the effort of editing and polishing are what, what am I saying? They're not bad people. They're not, I'm not even saying the other people are bad people. Um, I'm saying, look at where someone is putting the lion's share of their effort. I always wonder about the people who are, um, you know, I'm a best-selling author. Every book I write turns to gold and let me introduce you to my coaching empire where I will teach you to do the same thing. And my first question always is how do you have time to run a coaching empire if you are writing all these best-selling books and if these books are selling so well for you, why do you care about establishing a coaching empire? Dorinda and I had this conversation yesterday where, what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about the RWA stuff that was going on. And we were talking about one person's particular response to it. And I, she was telling me what she thought. And then I give her my take and we're on zoom. And she looks at me and she goes, you know, you are the skeptic. She said, I'm the one who always believes everything everybody tells me. And you're the one who is like, 
is it though? Because <laughs> I had even said that back to her though. I'd said that back to her um, in response to um, what the person had said, you know, when they, they'd made some statement saying, you know, um, this is how things are. And, and I'd said, you know, and my only reply to that is, are they though? Are they really? And that was when she said, you're the skeptic and I'm the one. She said, you know, even my mother and Dorinda doesn't talk about her mother a whole lot. She said, when I was a little girl, my mother told me that I was totally gullible. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but that's part of that Dorinda is such a, a generous and honest and open person that it never occurs to her that anybody else is not. I'm somewhat of the same way and that I continue to be an idealist, but I don't know if I really count as a skeptic, but I am a fan of critical thinking. So this is something that I think I learned in college. Um, at this one professor who I have dedicated books to and mentioned a number of times, uh, Professor Hadas, who described himself as a non-practicing Orthodox Jew, which is a fine joke for those of you who get that. Um, really just an amazing man. And he taught me to think about all sorts of things. And one thing that he said was that the purpose of, of a college education was not to stuff your head full of knowledge, but to teach you how to acquire and evaluate knowledge for the rest of your life. And he taught a course called the study of the Bible as literature. And it was amazing. We went through this, you know, through the old and new Testament and apocryphal books and analyzed the story structure and analyzed everything about them. We learned to think critically about something that most people don't think critically about. Something else that he would say was that most people only ever have a five-year-old's understanding of their religion, that they take the things that they are taught as a small child and that that is their unexamined understanding of their religion for the rest of their lives. And I found that to be very true too. Not everybody, but um, not all men, but it's true for many, many people because if you go in and really study stuff and think about it critically, there's this whole faction of people who think that that is somehow anti-faith. But if it can't bear examination, if it can't, withstand if whatever you believe in can't withstand intense interrogation then maybe it's not as strong as you think it is it's something to think about so i do think and and david has mentioned it before too and i've tried to teach him some of it and i've worked it into books here and there the idea of critical thinking about backing up and looking at the influences of that something. It's almost the, um, the intellectual equivalent of follow the money, right? If you want to know what, who's benefiting from, from something, you can look at who's making money off of it. It's one way to do it. Uh, so when you look at why are people offering particular services, especially if they claim that they are making huge amounts of money doing one thing, but then they're selling their services very expensively doing a different thing. 
then you ask, well, well, why? If you are if you're making millions of dollars selling books, why would you bother to spend time doing weekend workshops and that sort of thing? Um, yeah, so I can't even remember exactly how I got onto that, but I do think that it's, oh, I guess podcasting and all of that. Uh, there are people who are doing very, very well podcasting and that's great, but that's, um, you know, they're, they're trying to, to make a living doing that, trying to make money doing that, you know, with advertisers and all that kind of thing. And that's awesome. But it's, um, that's where their focus is. I think that's, that's what I'm getting at. Look at where people place their focus. And all of this is by way of excusing the fact that I don't have transcripts. Um, because my focus just always has to be on writing books first and foremost. And, and sometimes it's funny because, um, I've been doing this long enough that I have to remember to say these things because people are occasionally surprised. Um, or they will, I was at a reception not long ago and people found out I was an author, you know, and they asked how many books I have and they were impressed that I was president of, of Sephora and all of this which I still find kind of funny. I need to come up with a better answer to that because, you know, people will say, Oh, wow, that's really impressive. You know, and I want to, and I, I've replied a few times that it's not a job a whole lot of people want. <laughs> and, and that really seems to deflate them. It's, it's not a good answer. I need to come up with a better answer. Although it's true. I mean, it's, um, and I won't, I won't say it's a thankless job, but you know, it's a, it's a volunteer job that requires a fair amount of work and responsibility and, and I'm tremendously honored to have been elected and I am proud to be president and, you know, proud that people trust in me to do this, but it's also a job not a lot of people want. <laughs> um, where was I even going with that? Oh, that they were asking me fairly basic questions about writing. And, and I realize that I have to keep revisiting those things because I assume people know and they don't. But one question I get a lot is how, you know, they were asking me, do I write every day? And how do I, you know, how do I structure my life? And it, it is a question from writers of all types you know, like, well, how do you get the, the books written? What, how do you do that? And every once in a while, someone will say, so do you really prioritize the writing first? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I absolutely prioritize the writing first. And it's, it's not easy. A lot of people are not able to prioritize the writing first. Um, you know, like if you have small children that you are supposed to keep alive, you have to prioritize that. You know, sucks, sucks all around. Sorry about that. But you know, small children, they not only have to be fed, they have to be fed multiple times a day. Uh, you have to do things like make sure they don't run out into traffic. It requires a lot of time and attention. For me, yeah, I prioritize the writing over everything else. If, if my day completely falls apart, it is the writing that I'm really trying to get done. Um, Yeah. So, so if I think that the writing's in jeopardy, I won't podcast. And it reminds me, I was doing, um, 
speaking for a conference a while back. Um, I think I gave the presentation on breaking bad writing habits and people were asking questions afterwards. And this one gal said, you know, she, cause one of the things I talk about is prioritizing writing because one of the bad habits is not writing. <laughs> and she says, well, she said, my problem is, is I just can't fit writing into my day. And she launches into this explanation of all the things that she does with her day, which, you know, were all really cool things, you know? So I think she had a podcast and she was like raising some rare breed of dogs and she had a couple other things she was doing, you know? And so she explains how her days go. And she said, you know, with all of this stuff, I just don't see, she said, I understand your point about that. You have to carve out time to write and make time to write. She said, but I don't see where I can put this in. And you know, she says, I feel like I don't have, have a choice here. And I said, well, <laughs> you need to look at this, that you, that you are making a choice, right? You've already made your choice that doing all of these things that breeding the dogs and doing the podcast and these, you know, five other things she was doing that all of those things are more important to you than writing. And, and she, and this was like via zoom also. And she just kind of looked at me and she goes, you're right. <laughs> was like, yeah, you know, we all make choices about how we're going to spend our time every day. And you know, you can feel like that you're trapped into a certain schedule, which, which you can get trapped into a certain schedule, you know, small children have to be fed. Uh, you know, your, your rare breed of dogs have to be fed and groomed, but all of those things that you are choosing to do, you have chosen to do those things. Like even if you have a day job, you're choosing to go and have a full-time day job. Uh, there might be really, really excellent reasons that you've chosen to do this, you know, like, like food and shelter, you know, that you, you need these things or you need the health benefits or what have you, but, but there's still choices. We, we have made those choices. And if you don't have time to write, it's because you have made the choice to fill that time with other activities. And that's what it comes down to, which is hard to face sometimes, but there it is. And I've gone long. So I'm going to go and make the choice to get my writing done today. I will remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts, polished, well-produced podcasts that you might love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all. Oh, well, we'll see. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe Thursday if I wake up early and there's time before we take the kids to Waterworld. I might try to get words done. So maybe Friday, this might be it for the week. We'll see. It might be next Monday. The tension is unbearable. My mother will be unhappy, but you all take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>